Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I've, I know we've done a lot of uh, oh, whining is probably an, an aggressive word, but we've done a lot of complaining about how crazy things get during like a condensed um, COVID year. You know, we had the draft and the cup finals and a bunch of other stuff happened pretty much all within like a two week span. The expansion draft, that's what it was. And we're like, this is crazy. It is insane amount of work to like keep up with this content. Obviously, we loved it the whole way, but we were like, man, we're burnt out. I would rather go back to that than the heat we're dealing with right now. <laughs> I would trade the heat for that. Yeah. Oh, we are. The, the studio is in a um, room in a one and a half story and we are, you know, in the upstairs and it is. 90 degrees in freedom units, 30 whatever that is in Celsius. We usually don't have the AC going during the episode just because of the, you know, for audio quality, but I don't care how much post I have to do today. It's just, I'm sweating buckets already. Brad threatened to strip and I was like, absolutely not. The AC was on then. (laughs) Immediately on. To be fair, I never said I wouldn't anyway. So Brad, please. (laughs) I want to be able to have kids someday. (laughs) Yeah, you can have mine. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Hank. Hank's funny. Hank Hank keeps you up. And that, that to me, is a, I still can't get over that. I'm so rattled. <laughs> Hank, uh, Hank wasn't even at home and he took Crystal's phone and he called him. It called Brad at 530 in the morning. And woke him up. <laughs> no, no, it was 505. Yeah. 505 a.m. He woke me up from three hours away. That is hilarious. Excellent content. What a bully. I love it. Oh, man. All right. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, a little bit sweltering, but still here to talk about the petty drama going on in the NHL. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm tired. And I'm Evan. It's funny that you said you're tired and Evan was the one yawning. Teamwork. Yeah. yeah. Makes the dream work. Uh, speaking of teamwork, go us and the Carolina Hurricanes, because Carolina came in under the wire to give us the best offseason content <laughs> Ever. I was dying yesterday when that came through. Uh, on this episode of the Wind Wheel podcast, we're going to talk about the petty drama that is the revenge offer sheet to Yasperi Kotkaniemi that Carolina tendered and Kotkaniemi signed, which th- there's layers of hilarity in that. Uh, we'll be talking about, um, you know, we forgot about the Sveshnikov extension, which we should probably bring up because that was a fantastic contract for Carolina. Uh, a little bit of news regarding NHLers at the Olympics and then some small Red Wings news before jumping into overtime. Uh, but first, of course, the Jamie Daniels Foundation, something we want to talk to you about. The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. The foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit Jamie Daniels. Danielsfoundation.org. All right. Uh, 6.1 million, 6 million, 100,000 is the one year offer sheet that Kotkaniemi signed tendered by the Carolina Hurricanes, putting Mark Bergevin, who apparently was going on vacation this week, <laughs> in a bit of a pickle. Um, Man. I don't even know where to start with this one. We have to rewind to the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet. Do we want to start with the petty stuff 
or the serious conversation of should Montreal actually match it? No, let's give the context here. Remind everyone about the Aho offer sheet and why this is happening. Yeah, so a couple summers ago, Montreal, like, and of course- Was it already a couple summers ago? I feel like it was. Oh it could have been a year ago. I don't know. It all was blend, blended together on me. Montreal signed Sebastian Ajo to a five-year offer sheet in hopes to get Sebastian Ajo, of course, being the NHL, the stupid old man league that it is. Everybody was up in arms. Not everybody. Like People with common sense were like, oh, great move to try and get a good player. You weren't aggressive enough in it, but we respect the hustle. And of course, old hockey men were, how dare they try to steal this player? And uh, from the looks of it, Carolina's owner was one of those people in the, how dare they? As we found out, but obviously, since Carolina signed him to such a reasonable contract, or Montreal signed him to such a reasonable contract, Carolina immediately matched, but made Montreal wait it out the week so that they couldn't really do much else. And uh, yeah, it was Carolina's social team, who we will give tons of praise in a minute, even sent out a tweet like a couple hours after Aho signed his offer sheet saying, should we match his contract? Yes or we? <laughs> Those were the two options. Um so, you know, for whatever it is, and then we'll get into the context of whether or not people should actually be mad about offer sheets later. But uh, yeah, that happened. And now here we are. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit. We've This won't be new for listeners, but we'll talk about the whole philosophy around offer sheets and why it's the, the NHL is stupid and hates fun. Carolina really proved that wrong because I had a blast yesterday. So first of all, two years later, having this offer sheet signed is funny for multiple reasons. One... The petty revenge that came two years later means that they weren't going to do it while it didn't make sense, but they found an opportunity where Montreal was in a situation where it'd be hard to match. They really need that cap space. And 6.1 is too much for Kotkaniemi right now. I'm not saying he won't be worth that in the future, but we can all agree that's too much for Kotkaniemi at the moment. Yes, but there's some context to that. But there's some context to that. Uh, They, (laughs) man, this is so good. It's a one-year deal. Uh, by signing this one-year deal, they make Kotkaniemi's qualifying offer for the next season also $6.1 million. So who's to say Kotkaniemi is going to rise up and be worth $6.1 million after one season? Based on his trajectory so far, not a bad player, but you know, still has a lot of work to do. He won't be worth that. Um, Montreal doesn't have good centers in their system. They have Nick Suzuki. And Kotkaniemi was really the only like who's going to be their their second line center if they lose him? Jake Evans. Like yes, yeah, Jack Eichel. Would. Yeah, or Jack Eichel. Yeah, I mean, no, but yes, it's actually Jacques Eichel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get that CQ in there. Um, it is a hysterical situation. They tweeted it out in a way where they knew everyone would lose their minds. Carolina then tweeted it out in French. <laughs> They, Brad told me, I actually missed this one. Brad told me before the podcast, they tweeted out the Uno reverse card. Yep. That which was is, the entire tweet. Just a picture <laughs> of an Uno reverse card. Just content gold. They changed their Twitter bio to French. Yep. And we learned that this wasn't a Don Waddell GM of the Carolina Hurricanes thing. This is more of a Tom Dundon, owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. Colorful character, to say the least. Very much suits what we know about him. You also forgot to mention how much Jesperi Kakaniemi's signing bonus was. Yeah, yeah. The signing bonus was $20. Who wears number 20 in Carolina, I'm Ryan? Just looking it up here. <laughs> and it's Sebastian Ajo. Wow, what a coincidence. And I mean, this part's not petty. This part's just funny. But um, <laughs> the whole contract ends in $35. 
35 minus 20 leaves, what, 15 left over? 15. Who's number 15? Take a guess, Evan. Todd Kinyemi? Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is as much of a hockey signing. It's even more of like a, a three-act play than it is a hockey signing. Yeah, it's it's incredible. So I guess we'll get into the petty side of this, and then we'll get into the serious debate about it after. This is almost too much fun that I feel like this is going to ruin offer sheets going forward. I, I, I hope not. 100% agree. Because one side of me goes, I love, love, love the entertainment factor of this. It's a calculated gamble by the Hurricanes, and we can argue whether or not it's a good gamble in a bit. But it's a calculated gamble that has a whole bunch of fun attached to it. And then they obviously masterfully played this up. And so all of the hockey world, not just Carolina, was getting entertainment value out of this. But the big but is because this was clearly a revenge offer sheet and the way they hammed it up makes me think it's going to make future GMs gun shy to do this because we've seen this type of thing before, obviously, without the three act play on Twitter after where teams, you know, retaliated to other teams offer sheeting in more formal ways, not Brian Burke trying to fight Kevin Lowe in a barn, but, you know, (laughs) which I never thought would be topped. Yet Here we are. Um, So, yeah, it's. It's a shame because I think teams should do this. And if you want a revenge offer sheet teams, I think you should also do that. And I think an offer sheet properly done in the right context could be valuable to your team. I do not fault Mark Bergevin for when he did a Sebastian Ajo. He tried to flex Montreal's financial muscle and acquire a really goddamn good player. And I don't know why people were so up in arms about that. You don't get a Sebastian Ajo without a bold move. And he did it. Didn't work, but I respect the hustle. And then didn't offer enough money. Yeah, which is fine. And then Carolina's like, screw you. We're going to take one of your good players. I respect that hustle. This is how markets should work. This is how businesses should be run. This is how the NHL should operate. But seeing all of this, you know, you know that it's going to limit offer sheets in the future because teams are going to be like, yeah, we could offer sheet Elias Pettersson. But what if uh, what if they offer sheet Mo Sider in the future? Then we can't risk that. Like it's stupid. And I know not every GM is going to think that, but I know some GMs are going to think that. And it's it's annoying because what I would want is a team to offer sheet someone and then do exactly what Carolina did. Lean into it. It's it's an entertainment industry, and this is entertaining in the throes of August. It's perfect. So I love it. I wish more teams would do it, but I fear that this cost us more offer sheets in the future my my thing and i've been on this for a long time i've said it on the podcast i tweeted it out yesterday i think they should lower compensation levels for offer sheets to encourage more offer sheets although now that i think about it i think maybe that's not the best idea not for what you just mentioned and i do think you have a good point i do think offer sheets are going to become more we're going to go through another 10-year spell without any or something like that but I'm firmly in the I like the salary cap camp. And this is coming from a fan of a team who's in the past demonstrated that they will spend an exorbitant amount of money in a non-cap era to to ice a championship winning team, the 0102 Red Wings, case in point. Um, I'm a big proponent for the salary cap because I think it does a good job to bring in parity in the league. I think not every team is going to have the same amount of money. I don't like owners who have internal caps. I think that's stupid. What Eugene Melnick has done in Ottawa, what Tom Dundon has done at times in Carolina, et cetera, et cetera. But 
Um, I, overall, I like what it does to bring the entire league into play. So it's not just the major spenders who are the only viable teams. I feel like this is going to further squeeze teams who can't handle their cap properly. And they don't need coddling. I get that. And I, I don't think they need a much – they don't need to be protected. They don't need to be helped. However, I just fear for a future where teams and agents are going to say, look how much the cap is hurting us in so many different ways. And now we're losing our good RFAs because of it. We have to get rid of the the salary cap. There are a lot of really strong arguments for a soft cap or no cap. I personally don't agree with them, and I don't want to see the cap done away with. It's a little bit more like obscure worry, but I just, in general, I don't want it to, to push on the cap even more. I don't think you need to get rid of the cap for this to work, because I, I actually think the compensation in the offer sheet system right now is about right, because you don't, for all the reasons you said, I agree, you don't want to see it too crazy because you don't want the small markets to just get pilfered of all their good players. But at the same time, you want them to consider letting a player walk if they're offshoot. If the Red Wings offshoot Pedersen right now at like $11 million, Vancouver has to go four first round picks is a hell of a return. You want them to consider it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's what makes it interesting. But if you have the salary cap, what this enforces is GMs to properly manage their salary cap, which then creates even more value on the cap space you have, which creates an or a more attractive trade market. So the the funnel effects from there, or the, I don't know, snowball effect from there, if you will, really does open up the possibilities if your team is managed properly. Yeah. Like, again, the Red Wings are a good example because the Red Wings could do anything right now. Sign a big free agent, make a big trade, offer sheet someone, They have there's value to that. And then obviously, as you get better, you still want to properly manage the cap, but ice a competitive team. And when you run into these unique circumstances where a team just runs themselves into the ground, then you get the fun conversations of, hey, maybe this is how we get a Pedersen. And maybe this is the time to strike. So, and again, same, it's exactly what's happening with Montreal right now with Kotkaniemi. Carolina's going, we can offer sheet this guy at one year yeah, and maybe get him. So it does open up the possibilities of the right circumstance at the right time. Because look at the one thing that surprised me about this is when I went back through the list of offer sheets in the past, there is way more than we think over the course of the salary cap era. But the reason people don't think about it is because because almost all of them have been matched. Very few players have actually left yeah. via the offer sheet. The team that they belong to matched it. Shea Weber got offer sheeted. Ryan O'Reilly. David Backus, Dustin Penner, Thomas Vanek, and I'm forgetting some. There's been a lot of good players who have been offer sheeted, but none of them left. So you want that air of the right opportunity at the right time with a team that's mismanaged the cap, and then that player actually leaves that team. Because to transition this, if I'm Montreal, I'm not matching this. First I- and a third. That's the compensation that Montreal yeah. will get at $6.1 million. Yeah. It's a first and a third. Had they gone, I think – a hundred thousand higher, it would have been a first, a second, and a third, but still a first and a third round pick, or you pay Kotkaniemi 6.1035. Yeah, and Kotkaniemi's a good player. He's not a great player. If you detach what Kotkaniemi is from his draft position, this is probably a no-brainer to let him walk and just take the first and the third round pick. Uh, one thing I hadn't considered that Friedman brought up was a good point. He's like, Montreal's probably already shopping those picks just to see what the value is. Hey, for Eichel. 
Yeah, Christian it, Dvorak is who I immediately thought. Yeah, oh, not man. too because Arizona is going to be yeah. looking to have been talking about moving him anyway. Like a more a first, a third, maybe I don't know what maybe. the Christian Dvorak market looks like, but that you know at least starts the dialogue. And yeah. it's it's a proven NHL center at a cost controlled contract, less than what Kotkaniemi just got offer sheeted for. So Montreal could work this in their favor still, but we get the fun of Kotkaniemi actually going to Carolina via an offer sheet. And then Montre- it opens up the options to Montreal because Kotkaniemi has been in the league for two years. It's crazy to think he's still only 20. So right now what Kotkaniemi is is an all right number three, but he's young enough that you can sit there and go, yeah, but he could get better. And the argument is, yeah, but what if he doesn't? So it, it, there's so many variables here. It's actually a legitimately fun thought exercise whether or not they should match. Add the layer two. We're talking about the Montreal Canadiens who are coming off of a Stanley Cup Finals run with a GM who very nearly lost his job if they didn't squeeze into the playoffs and do what they did. So he knows he's riding this high and if he wants to stay or he wants to continue to be employed by the Canadiens, because I heard he's pretty tired of actually GMing, he's got to go for it again. That's really what he signaled. He's going to go for it again. And frankly, I don't know how much I can argue with that. If you just went to the Cup Finals... How how can you honestly look your fans and your players in the face and say, yeah, we're going to start rebuilding? I don't necessarily agree with his decision, but I understand how they got there. But if he's going for it again, that that's another wrinkle. Can you really afford to lose Kotkaniemi right now? You absolutely can um, because it, trans- it, it circles back to what we were just talking about because, again, I'm with you. I don't think Montreal's a contender. I don't think they're in a position to contend. I would take the picks and build for the future, but obviously Bergevin's in a position he can't do that if they take those picks and turn that into christian dvorak cool you just advanced two three years in caught kanami's development for this year hey i'm getting the better player right now at the same position for less money yeah so he can absolutely play that into he's better now now with montreal's cap situation what caught kanami is as a player i probably still don't match if we're just going to go into the asset management stand standpoint of it, because I'm not paying Kotkaniemi 6.1. Why don't they just take Brady Kachuk, man? Quinn, we don't talk about you. We so. don't, we don't. <laughs> we're, not, we're not redoing the top seven of that draft. But anyways, um, yeah, so either either standpoint that I take on this, okay, I understand Bergevin has to be good this year. I think there's a way you take that first and a third and you turn it into a better player for this year. If you look at the long term, what's best for the Montreal Canadiens, I still think the first and the third round pick are better. Um, I'm not giving up on Kotkaniemi. I think he was horribly mismanaged in Montreal and going to Carolina is the best thing for him. And I could see him absolutely breaking out. But Montreal's not changing their ways, so he's never going to probably be the player he can be in Montreal. So if they can get a first and a third out of it now, all right, you do it. If I'm Montreal, I'd also be on the phones going, calling teams, all right, if we match this Kotkaniemi contract, what would you give them for us? Right now, the bid's at a first and a third. Yeah. You want to beat that? And then if Montreal really wants to play coy, we'll match it and retain salary. What's the deal now? Like, so there's a lot of angles Bergevin could take on this to play it in his favor. Tougher in a flat cap world, but we've beat that narrative to death. But yeah, this is fun. This is legitimately fun because I don't know what's going to happen here and a lot of things could happen. 
Imagine, imagine Montreal says, nah, we're going to let him go. They take that first and the third, and those are two pieces in a Jack Eichel trade. Oh, my God. That's the thing. I hate I'll let you know it's Jacques. <laughs> yeah, it's Jacques Eichel. Keep up, Brad. Jacques Eichel. I mean, it's not going to happen, but God, would that be fun. I I never wanted to entertain that conversation. The whole Jack Eichel thing is funny as hell, but the whole to Montreal situation, I was just like, how are they going to possibly do that and pay him? But now I'm like, oh, shit, why not? We're getting this wild. Yeah. But Eric Engels tweeted, oh, my God. <laughs> the the most tense six minutes in Twitter this offseason. Tweeted Jack Eichel's getting on a plane going to Montreal with his hockey gear. And then six minutes later, apparently it was like, oh, there's a uh, BioSteel camp in Montreal this weekend. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Montreal set the city on fire for those six Preemptively, <laughs> yes. And then it was like, oh, God, pulls out the, <laughs> the extinguishers. Jeez. Oh, man. Hockey Twitter has been crazy the last 24 hours. I missed it. The only thing I hate about sort of the whole offer sheet thing is how other teams kind of don't do them because other it's like faux pas or it's against the the old boys club. Like, yeah, yeah. I hate that so much. And it's like, I, I, do you all work for like one organization? Are you all co-workers? Like you're, yeah. you're colleagues, I suppose, in some sense, but you're also adversaries and you're also, you know, in a performance business where your job is, you know, as, as long as the, as one day. I just I just find it so stupid where like they won't offer sheet because oh like nobody does it or like nah, there's a revenge offer sheet coming for our attractive RFAs. It's just like it's a tool in your tool belt. You should use it when the time is right. And I just I just hate the whole sort of mentality behind the oh we won't yeah. offer sheet because if you if you offer sheet then we will or if you don't we won't. It's like you just roll the dice like you you'd make a calculated decision sportsmanship exists like when a player gets hurt on the other team you go check on him tap the bed like tap the ice with your sticks don't be a dick to each other like it's only on the ice and it's for stuff that's not in the rules like like evan just said there's a prescribed legal path in the cba about how to take rfas from other teams it's not cheating so why with this whole i know i i hate it so much they're afraid of not getting invited to lose christmas party well, I mean, he would, yeah, that that is terrifying. <laughs> like, I, people don't offer sheet Lou Lamorello. That's a completely different conversation than offer sheeting other teams. It'll be a hit out on you if yeah. you offer sheet Lou. <laughs> it's just so dumb. Like, yeah. I just, I hate this, like, we're in it together, but, you know, you're not. You're, you're not at all. The, the thought, I shouldn't offer sheet this player because it breaks the code. If that thought ever goes through your head, you should be fired as a GM. If your thought is, hey, I should offer sheet this player. Don't know if the contract and the compensation are worth it. Okay, that's the thought you should be having in your head. Because for me, when we talk about the Pedersen offer sheet, I don't give a shit about Jim Benning in this equation. It's, is it worth it? That should be the only question in your mind. And Waddell and Bergevin both did it. Great. Other GMs have done it in the past and more GMs should do it in the future. Like this is what the nice thing about the Kanami one is it's creative. It's the type of offer sheet we never talk about. We're always talking about this superstar player at this eight-year, $11 million offer sheet. This is a one-year at 6.1. It's an overpayment intentionally. Who is it? Freege said they yeah. probably have a long-term deal in place for that comes in under the off yeah. qualifying offers. So Kotkin Yemi, they said, okay, here's a trade-off. 
you're going to get way too much money this year and you sign long-term at a more reasonable rate, Yeah, you're still better off. Yeah, your qualifying offer next year is 6.1, but we're going to sign a five-year contract at 4.5 million. Are you good with that? I'm good with that. All right, then we'll give you 6.1 this year. Like, yeah. it's, it's brilliant. And it's these little workarounds that work. And even though, how many times ever would you say a one-year offer sheet will not be matched? You'd say- Every team would match that. But Carolina found the circumstance where it might not happen and they could get a good player out of it. The conversation is a first and a third worth caught. Can you hear me? Is an argument absolutely worth having. But it is a perfect scenario that they are exploiting. And caught Kanami was the third overall pick. He's only 20 years old. There is a lot of room for him to grow as a player still, especially in a better situation. So yeah, in my mind, that first and a third is probably worth it. Especially considering Carolina's probably picking in the 20s. Like, they're crazy if they don't think that's worth it. Now, Montreal with their cap situation, what they think of the player, yada, yada, yada. They're probably having a different conversation for the same value. But it's beautiful. This this is more of what teams should be doing. Because the Pedersen stuff is fun to talk about. But realistically, very few teams are ever going to be willing to give There's up four There's someone on the Leafs picks. that was like a target for an offer sheet that wasn't Martyr. one of the... No, no, it was someone else. Like it was a, I want to, I don't think it was Kasperi Kapanen, but it was someone who they're like, oh, we're not really worried about those two, but it's, it's this player. I can't remember who it was. And we we had talked about How this. How long ago? Oh God. <laughs> Time is irrelevant <laughs> since COVID started. Yeah. It could be last year. It could be three years ago. I'm not sure. But it was somebody where they're like. Nylander? When he was in his holdout? I think I know what you're talking about. It was, it was like a Kapanen-level player where yeah. everyone's like, they're so focused on like the Marner, the the big-name guys. But they could handcuff them because they're already handcuffed because of the big contract. I think it was Kapanen, wasn't it? Might have been. Maybe. I wasn't sure if he was an RFA at that time. Anyways, you find a team who's left their belly exposed, right? Like yeah. they're unprotected because they're... I'll- Thanks to COVID, I leave mine exposed all the time. <laughs> I was at home this weekend, and my mom goes, so uh, how's that home gym? I was like, jeez, mom. Thanks. I'm working on it. But uh, no, because like you can – where you screw yourself on the cap is always long-term contracts. So hypothetically, the Red Wings have what, like 20 million cap space right now? They could – what's the max a player can sign for in the NHL right now? 16 and a half mil or something like that? Yeah. Why wouldn't the Red Wings, like, not that they should or would, but, like, you could, they could go to Elias Pettersson right now and go, one year, 16 and a half million. Good luck finding that cap space, Benning. And obviously, 16 and a half for one year for Pettersson is a massive overpay. But, like, Carolina is supposedly done with Kakinami. If you already have the rough framework of an extension in mind that is not 16 and a half million dollars, that qualifying offer doesn't matter as much. Right. So it's beautiful the way Carolina worked this out. It's just, we're going to pay this guy too much for one year. And hey, we might get a second line center out of this for a first and a third. How many teams wouldn't pay a late first and a third round pick for a second line center? Nobody. Everybody would do that. Second line center of the future. Cause let let me just say 20, 21. Same thing. Cause he is behind, he would be behind Aho. He'd probably, he's definitely behind, um, Trocek. As long as Trocek's playing center. And I mean, depending on how the season's going and what Jordan Stahl is doing. They are not giving up a first and a third to play Kotkaniemi on their fourth line. They might, man. They're just memeing right now. Well, the nice thing is, is they've got the options to play him wherever they want. Yeah. 
You want to flip into the wing until he's more comfortable? very favorable matchups for him if yeah. they want. Work on his skating, work on everything to help him develop as a player. And they play a style and system that is far more favorable to Kotkaniemi's game. Who is mowing their lawn while it's 90 degrees out? A psychopath. psychopath. God damn. Anyhow, okay. Uh, would you do it and what do you think Bergevin will do? Which team am I? Montreal. Would I – I – am I taking – am I pretending I am Mark Bergevin or am I taking Mark Bergevin's job here because that's two different answers? You're doing both sides of it. What do you think Bergevin would I, do? And I what? think Bergevin's going to match. If I was in his position though, I probably wouldn't. Uh, sorry. I think Bergevin's not going to match. If I was him, I probably would. You would match? I like Kotkaniemi. I think there's something there, but I also wouldn't freaking deploy him like the Canadians have been. And I wouldn't scratch him in the finals and I wouldn't yo-yo him in and out of the lineup. And I wouldn't force this like ridiculously heavy defensive system down his throat. So if I have full control, I would want to keep Kotkaniemi because again, Carolina is a good team. They're probably going to be in the upper half of the standings, which means you're getting a late first round pick out of that. And again, people overvalue late first round picks heavily. Very few of them turn into impact players. Even if Jesperi Kokaniemi is nothing more than a third line center, that's a pretty acceptable result for a late first round pick more often than not, right? So yeah, the the contract sucks and you kind of got to have a good idea of what his extension is going to be. So I would keep Kokaniemi understanding what Montreal values as an organization and the position they're in. Yeah. It makes sense to let him walk. So in the, in the full context of the situation, it's probably better. They let him walk. Okay. Um, if I'm Mark Bergevin, I definitely see what a first and a third is going to get me for a centerman around the league. Absolutely. That definitely would change my answer. If they can get somebody half decent, they think can play second line center, you take the picks. If they call around and teams aren't interested at all, which could be possible, um, then I resign or I match and, and take Kakanyami. Now that I've heard both of you say it, I think the answer here is that I think. I also know. Yeah. Berger, Mark Bergevin is definitely the type of guy who gets pissed about these sort of things and would do a knee-jerk reaction and just match it just to I think end he, it. Yeah, I think he's emotional. I think he's emotional. I think he's proud. Yeah. Which, I mean, every player here, like no one in Carolina is a very level-headed yeah. person right now. Because there is something to be said about Montreal offer sheeting for Aho, Carolina offer sheeting for Kotkaniemi, and then Carolina ending up with Aho and Kotkaniemi. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Bergevin matches for the reason Evan just stated. And depending on what you're allowed to do, I don't know what you could practically get away with with tampering or what the actual rules are because I think right now Kotkaniemi is actually Hurricane's property. He's in limbo. Talk to him and see if you can't work out a long-term deal too. That isn't at 6.1, but if, like Brad said, between four four and a half and five million a year for however many years, say, okay, we'll sign you to that, buddy. And you're going to... You're going to fucking live up to it. Okay? I think he'll get traded after the one year. There's a, uh, I think there's a good precedence of guys who sign offer sheets with or get matched end up somewhere else. Like Shea Weber got traded after that he matched rather soon. O'Reilly did too. Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> well, he got the a- worst out of the stick. He got sent to Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. 
he ended up with a cup out of it. I'm sure he's. Uh, there's been more, but I those are the only two I can really. Van Eck out of Buffalo. Yeah, well, the, he won that one. Um, <laughs> so there's really? a high chance they just you know match it, and they're like, all right, first and the third is the starting prize for God Kanemi. Well, anyways, by next episode, we're going to know how this one unfolds. So thank you again, Carolina and Montreal, for the entertainment. Uh, speaking of Carolina, Andre Svechnikov signed an eight-year, $7.75 million contract at age 21. So they are literally buying all of his best years for almost all of it will be well below market value. Phenomenal deal for Carolina. Carolina's off. Yeah, like – Signing the or not signing to Nadelkovich, losing Nadelkovich sucked, but and losing Hamilton sucked. But this piece of work with Kotkinyemi, which I mean, it's an overpayment, and then getting Svechnikov. That Svechnikov deal. If I'm a Carolina Hurricanes fan, I'm happy no matter what. I'm happy regardless of everything else that's happened. I don't understand that from Svechnikov's point of view. I get it. You're young. That's a lot of money. You want to win with this team. You're looking at the formula where you're like, I can't take up all of the cash, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's leaving a lot of money on the table here. Yeah, he got you either get the money or the term, and he got sort of neither. I mean, he did get a lot of money. Let's be honest. That's a he got, shitload he got, of money. He got max term. So Here's the thing. Yes, it's a lot of money, but I don't like when these conversations boil down into, oh, but think of how much money that is for a kid where he grew up without a lot or like they've never seen that many millions. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. But you're not an accountant being offered $7.75 million a year. You're When a, you look down the street and some guy just like you is making $2 million more a year. Yeah. That's an extra $16 million bucks. Yeah. I, like, I no qualms. I don't think this is as bad as Nathan McKinnon taking like a third of what he should be making so, so my pocket lint and five million bucks yeah um but no that is fantastic work by carolina and if you are going to recover after the offseason that they've had that is one hell of a way to do it like great great recovery you know that's going to piss some agents and the pa and a lot of young oh my off. god again it's that same fucking comment about yeah, the old kumbaya around the fire <laughs> around the campfire like who cares but yeah totally i mean hey look if uh eisenman signed we don't have an andre svechnikov if eisenman signed detroit's equivalent of andre svechnikov of the future to this we'd be over the moon and happy about it so we it's not like we're railing on svechnikov hey if the guy wins a cup and to him he's like yeah the cup is worth the extra two million a year he wins He's not going to be poor. I'm not crying for him. He's not going to have to, you know. He'll be okay. No cans over the He'll campfire. He'll be okay. Here. Yeah. He might have sacrificed $2 million per year, give or take, uh, just so he can wear the Hartford Whalers jersey a few times a year. Yeah, that's that's worth at least a mil. Turns out all these players are taking discounts, so Dundon will just pay the support staff properly. He's like, you're paying the janitor ten grand a year, Tom. Do you think you could up that a little bit? No, they're all saying we will knock off a million a year, but you have to off-treat someone every summer. Just because it's funny. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's a lot about Carolina. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Red Wings. Something happened? Nah, not really. <laughs> Keith Petrozelli is a con- it, it's a conversation. Let's let's preface this by saying it doesn't matter. This is news. It's the off season, so we're going to talk about it. But no Red Wings fan, nor are we stressed about this. The Red Wings have Nedeljkovic for now. The Red Wings have Sebastian Kosa for the future. Still. Uh, when Petrozelli left, it pissed a lot of people off because he took his years in the NCAA and then used the loophole to walk away in free agency. 
Now, there have been varying degrees of rumors here where I'm not sure exactly what to believe, but for the most part, it seems like he wanted to go back to Mass to you know go try out for Boston at their pro camp or whatever it is uh, to see if he can get if he could play closer to home. Now, I have also heard chatter about Eisenman didn't really wasn't too keen on Petrozelli. And he wasn't keen on moving Petrozelli through the Red Wing system so fast. And at most, he offered him a an AHL deal. I've heard that there wasn't an offer at all. Like, they just couldn't come to terms. But still, none of that's confirmed. I haven't been able to confirm any of that for myself. Keith Petrozelli has signed an AHL deal with the Toronto Marlies. So is it plausible here that Petrozelli was offered only an AHL contract with the Red Wings? He said, look, I'm a Boston kid. I don't even want to be doing this right now. I'm not a big fan of what the Red Wings have going on. I'm going to go try to make it in Boston. No prospects from there. He realized he needs some kind of pro contract, and he settled with Toronto. No, I don't think that's what happened. Um, you think he just wanted out of Detroit completely? This is all Petrozelli? A little bit, yeah. That's that's the f- impression I'm getting because I don't think the Boston thing was ever super legit because Boston, before they traded Vladar like a month ago, they were super deep in net. Uh, between Rask, Swayman, Halak's gone now, but Vladar, like, Boston wasn't a goalie needy team and uh, two of those guys were young. So Petrozelli is probably looking at that opportunity and going, uh, yeah, there isn't one. We talked about how, hey, if you're up until very recently, if you're a goalie and you need a goalie needy team, Detroit was like your final destination. So it was weird that he didn't want to sign here, which leads me to believe maybe Eisman wasn't so keen. But I think, you know, in situations like this, I always try to harken back to Occam's razor because sometimes the simplest solution is often the correct one. Toronto's also a goalie needy team who's better than Detroit. He probably looked at this and went, okay, they also don't have a lot of depth in net, uh, but they're like five years ahead of where Detroit is right now. So I'm going to go there. If that's the case, that's totally fine. Keith, I wish you the most Toronto you can possibly have in your future. A lot of first. Hope you have the best Toronto experience you can. I I hope it's absolutely the quintessential Maple Leafs time of your life. Yeah. Because that's what you deserve. I don't know. I don't know. the. I'm still digging on this. I don't really know much. But if it's what you said, Brad, and it's his choice. (laughs) Okay, buddy. Glad you ended up where you did. Best of luck. Yeah. Because there's not a lot. Like most organizations are pretty deep in net. And there are very few who aren't. Detroit and Toronto are two of the ones that weren't. Um, I don't know if Nedeljkovic and Kosa swayed his decision, but it seemed like it really wasn't going anywhere before we had them. So I don't think that had a lot to do with it. It it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that he was leaving a while ago. But yeah, I I don't know. I I guess if you want to have an opportunity and have a chance to win Toronto does make sense because Mrazic's under a three-year contract Campbell doesn't have that much longer neither of them are bona fide superstars uh I'm struggling to think of who Toronto has for goaltending even in their system so yeah it makes it makes sense because if Petrozelli goes yeah two years in the AHL and then I could walk up to the Leafs and play behind that team it's a great opportunity he's not wrong if that's what he's thinking. Um, so that's that's the best guess I have. Good news is we don't have to care. Alex Nedeljkovic now, Sebastian Kosa later. Yeah, Petrozelli's dead to us. Yep. Uh, Dom Loose Chicken of The Athletic put out his usual uh, 
fan confidence polls in the front offices and GMs. Uh, and across both public opinion and the fan base, the Red Wings and Steve Eisman's uh, front office ranked third. Who is first and second? Tampa Bay. And you can guess the second one? Nope. Come on. We'll give you three. We'll give you three guesses. Mm, Carolina. No. Nope. Florida? No. no. No, they were but, fourth. But that's a good one. I was going to say, all six fans really chimed in <laughs> on that one. They're probably going to win the cup next um, year. Um, Vegas? No, but th- I think that's also a good answer. Colorado. Oh, yeah. That yeah, makes yeah. sense. Um, but, yeah, Detroit. Obviously, you go Tampa, Colorado. You're like, okay, two cup contenders or cup winners. Um, and then Detroit. And people are like, hey. But it's, okay, first of all, it's a fan confidence poll. It's a public opinion yes. poll. It's not who has the best team. It's how confident we are in Do the job. Do you trust one of the greatest players of all time who you watched in your generation lead the team? Do yes you trust? No? <laughs> do you trust one of the best GMs in the NHL the last 10 years to do his job as a GM? His for so okay so a lot of times I think teams do really overrate their GM and if this was 2 years ago and we were literally like months into Eisman being GM of the Red Wings I'd say okay I can understand Red Wings fans being excited but this is a bit it'd be a bit much you'd have to have a giant asterisk but after 2 ye- two and a half ish years 2 and a third years this is what's happened uh C. Eisman's team that he just left in Tampa Bay won the cup twice and then the next year, Steve Eisenman's team that he just left in Tampa Bay won the cup again, which is insanely hard to do in hockey. And Steve Eisenman has rid the Detroit Red Wings of virtually every single bad anchor contract that they have and has brought this team in the cap era, which has been restricted by 11 million different factors, internal and external, to a blank slate. So yes, it is well-deserved. It's not a big, long topic, but I just wanted to say I have no qualms saying as a bias or trying to you know remove all subjectivity either way i can understand this completely and i would vote the same way he has the world of cap space when cap space is at an all-time premium he has a cupboard full of draft picks one of the strongest prospect pools in the nhl and has turned the roster over so that they're younger better and in a great position has won almost every trade he's made got adam ernie who now looks like a usable bottom dare i say good bottom six forward for a fourth round pick, got Pew Suter, who could be a second line center for basically nothing, got potentially the starting goaltender of the future for basically nothing, and made several other small moves that have worked out in their favor. What is there not to be confident in? My only, my literally only argument of Eisman's tenure where I can go, I don't know what we're doing here is coaching. Everything else has been perfect in a rebuild. Now, if your prospects don't, he obviously the the asterisk in a rebuild is if your prospects don't hit, it's all for naught anyway. But understanding that, what more could he have done? The there's two there's two things that are going to dictate how this moves going forward. How's Simon Edvinson going to play out? And Raymond, and Sider, and Nadelkovich, si- and Kosa. There's a lot. No, no, no. But riding I, on those kids. I think Sider. I think si- the Sider pick. I'm not gonna let's say like that's not Eisman because he just came in. He still made the pick. I think Sider and Edmondson. Those are two picks where he went. Not necessarily off the board. I think Edmondson was very much on the board consensus wise. But 
there were other players there where that might have been in some people's eyes the more sensible pick. Raymond was the I, that was a, a no brainer. Raymond, there was a lot of rumors for other players, but like in terms of talent, Raymond was the obvious pick at that point. Um, and also now that you have a blank slate, the hard part is moving forward. What do you do? So how those players pan out, like you said, and then how do you construct the roster now that you're no longer getting rid of someone else's rot? And yeah, fair, but we just got there. So let's see in the next few years. Also, what are what are the worst moves he's made? The two ones where I can think of that, <laughs> that could get any honest criticism, dealing Alec Regula for Perlini, who's was a non-factor, and that was just a failed experiment. So you got rid of Alec Regula for nothing. And giving up the third of your three second-round picks for Nick Letty when the Islanders were strapped to the cap, and you probably didn't have to give up that much. But still, they needed a good left-shot defenseman because they have really good young right shot defensemen who need good players to play with objectively the trade for letty was good it was just the context of where the red wings are that makes the trade iffy so if that's all your gm has ended up with this isn't to say and then it's the infallible extension and it's gonna be well okay i actually don't i still don't give a shit about who the coach is right now yeah hey do you see he was playing with tom Izzo, um Jack Nicholson and Lee Trevino. No, that's cool, though. In a charity event, yeah. That's really cool. Blashell's actually got a decent swing on him. I mean, we've got a lot of practice oh. the f- past year yeah. <laughs> under his tenure, but, you know, not a bad swing. Oh, but, man. But look at the Red Wings roster this year. They're not a good team. I think we all know this. But every player on this team is either on their entry-level contract or – a relatively young player on a really good contract. Is there anybody of value over the age of 26 on this team? No. Look at what Bertuzzi, Larkin, Verana are signed for. Like, nobody. Like, those are either going to be very key pieces of the future or very valuable trade pieces because of who they are as players and the contracts they're attached to. So, yeah, no, the Red Wings are in a fantastic position. Again, the only thing I hate about the rebuild is it all hinges on the scouts. If Raymond Sider, Edmondson, Kosa, if like two or three of those guys miss, it, it we're still screwed. But still. Regardless, I mean, I know some people don't like the fawning over Eisman, and some people can't say enough about it. It's just to say fans have every reason to be confident right now. doesn't matter what can't be fallen. You have to at least say there, this isn't a doom and gloom team if, say, if you're a fan of a team managed by, I don't know, Ken Holland. Just to pick a random G. Yeah, weird. Yeah, it's weird. Edmonton's long-term future looks great, doesn't it? Anyway. <clears throat> uh, the Olympics. Everyone wants to see the NHL back at the Olympics for the most part. It looks like that deal is very, very close. It's not signed and sealed. There's no official announcement, and we've seen it get close before and not come through. But that is something that I hope we can all look forward to. Um, I just miss Olympic hockey so much. And it's been – have we – we haven't covered one on this podcast because it was eight years ago. No, more than eight years ago. What am I saying? 2014. Yeah, that was before. Yeah, eight years ago. Eight years ago was the last one. We didn't. Uh, with NHL players. Yeah. No. Yep. 2014 with NHL players. And this podcast wasn't live yet. Yeah. Because we started a year later. So wow. please, uh, let's figure this out. NHL, IOC, quit being dicks. Just do the thing. All right. Uh, we're going to jump into overtime here. Um, overtime on uh, this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast. We hope you guys like our half drunk, half delirious because we're tired uh, bonus episodes that we're putting on in the midweek, even during the off season. If you have ideas for those, uh, by all means, let us know. I need, I need a listener in the United States 
to contact me and purchase me Costco golf gloves. Oh, do they have them right now? Only in the States. Two sets, please. I'm not kidding. Yeah, I need a right-handed glove for a left-handed golfer, size medium. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of, Evan, why is everybody on Twitter freaking out about golf right now? Uh, there was a tournament th- today, and I didn't, I haven't watched it, but there was like some crazy drama going on. Okay, right now everybody's saying this is the greatest golf tournament ever. This is crazy. That's what the hell definitely is not true. <laughs> golf doesn't get better than this. <laughs> Listen, it's the it's the FedEx playoff. I think, I, and no one cares about the what an awesome anyway. golf tournament. This is insanity on a golf hey, course. Yeah, people are losing it right now, Evan. What's please, happening? Please contact me. I will arrange payment and shipping because I have no golf gloves anymore. Uh, Brad, if you have an infraction like that, again, there will be punitive damages. Only Evan is allowed the 90-second segues into golf talk. That I is- want to know what's happening, so I'm trying to get some golf talk out of Evan here, Ryan. Oh, then the fourth playoff hole and Bryson just shot it in the water. No. Ah, no, what a wiener. <laughs> We're going to get into <laughs> overtime. Patreon.com slash podcast if you want more of this bullshit. Uh, Mark <laughs> Likes Hockey says, um, why would a player sign an offer sheet with a $20 signing bonus? Because it's hilarious. Uh, because he's already getting overpaid by like $3 million. So they're saying, hey, that's uh, you're not getting the sign- signing bonus, but you're going to get... There's like, what, four or five digits before the 20? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ryan Dodds, who I believe is a new patron. Welcome, Ryan, to the Winged Wheel Podcast family. I like your name. It says, hear ye, hear ye. The time has come to give you numbskulls my money. And especially to officially join this great community, I, my first question is going to be, if you had to choose, would you rather... Oh, this is an easy answer for me. Would you rather spend a night dressed on the Red Wings roster or have a beer with Mickey Redmond and Ken Daniels? Hey, look. Hold I, on, hold on. I need context. Am I actually playing in that game where I'm dressed? I mean, what do, do you I, do? What do I get to step? Do I get to participate in warm up? Step on the ace for a couple shifts? Well, like, you get to get him warm I, ups. Bro, right? I'd rather not play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> no, I would. I I couldn't like. That's been my dream since I was two years old was to play on the Red Wings. So, like, I can't not take that. As much as I love Ken and Mick, I can't not play for the Red Wings. Ken, Mick, I'm choosing the beer with you because I know I'm going to get blown up and that gif is never going to stop playing for the rest of my life. Worth it. Absolutely worth it. And I am far too proud of a person to live with that. So, I'll take the beer. I'll take the beer. Uh, Let's make it many beers. And we'll go from there. But I I am absolutely not taking the ice. I am perfectly comfortable keeping my stick at my hips and nobody gives me the puck and I just get to skate up and down the ice a few times. Totally fine with it. What would you rather, Evan? I mean, probably play for the Red Wings. That's no slight against Ken and Mick. It's just, I'm sure they'd pick the same thing. <laughs> Carter Mazer Stan Club says, I was just trying to do some fun, haha funny meme things and I wound up buying a 2003 Ford Taurus for $6.1 million. Am I dumb? <laughs> Uh, Sean Stephen Cook. This is more like a 2022, um, like Ford F-150 Lightning, like the electric ones, but with none of the features. That's essentially what you're buying for too much money right now. Uh, I hate how much that was accurate. Sean Stephen Cook said, Ford, send us money. Uh, Sean Stephen Cook says, if Montreal matches the offer sheet, do you think Kotkiniemi gets a Nylander treatment in Montreal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, and I guess fair, but also, can you really blame the guy? No, we didn't even mention the part of uh, where Darren Drigger was reporting that a lot of people thought that after the healthy scratch in the finals, that was the last game Caught Kanami played for Montreal. Really? Trade? They they figured it would be by trade because yeah, I guess I guess he was. He didn't say it was because Caught Kanami was pissed, but like reading between the lines, yeah, Caught Kanami was pissed. Like it was a dumb decision 
to be fair, but still. Tony Ohio Dollar Bills says, if you could offer she to host from another podcast, who would it be? Oh, Adam or Jesse, for sure. <laughs> You're just saying Jesse so you can get the audio to the audio knowledge there from the uh what do you mean? Jesse? Yeah, because he does all their audio cleanup and engineering stuff. I didn't know that. Oh. I always thought they paid someone. Okay. Um actually I think we still have yet to ever have Adam and Jesse on the show. It's only ever been Steve. It's only been Steve. Is it do we smell? Maybe. Anyway, a little bit. Um Merrick, just so someone can go down all the same ridiculous paths that I like to go down. Uh, actually, Freed, just so we can get, <laughs> we can be the source of information. Yeah. Uh, would you feel obligated to match any offer sheet made to Evan? No. Are you kidding? Uh, this guy's I, a liability. <laughs> I'd be signing that offer sheet immediately. <laughs> if I if we got a first and a third for Evan, oh, Evan, yeah. see you later. I I'd can say see reading it. We have signed Evan to an offer sheet. Your competition is take him. Yeah, take him. Take him. See like, you later. Do you, don't you want to know what you're getting? No, it's fine. I'll be your downfall, not mine. We'll start, what, 20 minutes earlier every episode? <laughs> Um, no I'm kidding. We love Evan, and annoyingly, he is uh, the most popular of us. And we're oh, just by far petty and vengeful. <laughs> um, new Patreon, uh, new Patreon member, and I just wanted to say thanks for the hours of entertainment. A truck driver who spends ten hours a night driving. You gents help keep me going. Uh, Tony, welcome. Thank you so much for the support. Um, apologies about the the Ohio thing. Just kidding. I'm never sorry. But what I say about Ohio, uh, Middle Miss- League. World Series champions, Michigan took out Ohio in the championship game today. And I just want to say. We'll take every victory we can get. (laughs) That matters more than any other college sports, let's say. Misconduct Racing says, has anyone started a GoFundMe or similar to get Roe into LCA for the Winged Wheel podcast night? Yeah, we're currently petitioning the Australian government (laughs) to let him out of the country. (laughs) Uh, Jake Bloom says, let's hear your predictions on how many off-seasons away the Red Wings are from making the first big free agent splash in the Eisenman era. Bonus points for guessing the UFA. Oh, next summer, Barkov. I will say two summers away from now. I'll say two summers away, and I don't know the UFA. I have to look who the UFAs are. Next summer, Barkov. This is where having my uh, computer would really help me out. <laughs> um, two summers from now, and it will be. There's not a lot of really good UFAs. Johnny Goudreau? No, they don't need another winger. I don't know. They need a center, like Alex Barkov. Oh, no. I'm looking at the wrong offseason. 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ryan, what sound does a dog make? Barkov. <laughs> uh, Colorado 14er says, what, who do you, or what do you believe Bettman thinks of what Don Wondell pulled on Saturday as well as the way he went about it? I loved it. I think you all loved it. And I think most fans in the NHL media loved it. It kind of makes me think that Bettman hated it. And when Bettman hates something, it usually goes away. I think, sadly, you are extremely right. I think Bettman doesn't give a shit. Same. They're, if they're all abiding by the rules, he could care less what happens. Should I tell him or should you? Yeah, you could do it this time. How much less? <laughs> Oh. oh god that won't get old uh, i won't you know we need to when that happens on the video i'm just gonna put the picture of uh lebron celebrating with uh dwayne wade the I, it's one of the two's dunking but it's the alley-oop the way lebron and wade alley-oop with one of them in the air the other one arms out that's us whenever we correct brad on the oh podcast. god this is 
Like this started as me being sad that I'm like, oh, I did it again. And here's their free dunk. And then how much you guys are proud of it, I think has circled back around to if this makes you guys this excited. Is that really, uh, is that really something against me or you guys? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Mike Caviani says, what's up, fellas? First time posting uh, since recently becoming a patron. Mike, thank you so much. And welcome to the podcast, Winged Wheel Podcast family. Uh, says, been a listener for years. Couldn't imagine what being a Wings fan during this rebuild would be like without you three. To commemorate, oh, this is awesome. To commemorate my first post uh, and becoming a patron, I went ahead and donated fifty dollars to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Mike, that is amazing. Thank you so much for supporting such a great cause. Uh, random note: I don't have time for pods, so I pretty exclusively listen to you guys only at one point four playback speed. Help speed through Evan's golf rambles and the in-depth discussions about obscure Canadian amateur league third jerseys. I kid because I love. Um, I finally listened to regular speed during the last quick hits uh, episode and you guys sounded wasted (laughs) since I'm used to to the sped up speed. Uh, Now I'm formally requesting a Patreon exclusive episode where you guys get drunk and record a game recap. Make it happen. I'm sure we can do it. I can't. I cannot get drunk anymore because my hangovers last weeks. We don't drink on this podcast. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> we we've actually wanted to do it for a while, but Brad keeps having kids, <laughs> and they keep being young and needing attention from their parents. And we need Crystal to not hate us. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Fairbrother says, "If you could redo the trade again, would you trade Verona back to Washington for Mantha one for one? If not, which team would have to throw in a sweetener?" understanding what the Red Wings organization pretty much thought of Mantha, probably not. I'd probably ride with Vrana. And I think the fact that he's two years younger also does play a pretty heavy factor in it. Uh, Evans bingo card says the pettiness by the Canes is amazing. What would be the equivalent for the wings in the same scenario? If you can't think of anything, come up with a creative offer sheet for someone in the same funny light that the Canes did with Kotkaniemi. Keep up the great work boys. I mean, Pedersen for like 16 and a half mil. I think Pedersen for just under the four. I think you do Pedersen for the two first, a second, and a third compensation. I think Vancouver matches that in a heartbeat, though. That's the problem. Well, shit, then. Five years at 10.3. Because if I'm sitting here and going, absolutely, I would do that for Pedersen without thinking twice, then, of course, Vancouver is going to be thinking the same thing. I wish Quinn If it's not a conflict in your head, it generally means the team's absolutely going to match it. I wish Quinn Hughes was offer sheetable. It'd be fun. <laughs> Drake Morris has been listening since right after the cider draft and finally decided to become a patron. Uh, love the work you guys do, but I really became a uh, supporter because it's getting more and more difficult to ask you guys questions on Twitter. Hey man, off season, I'm tuning out like I'm Evan half the time. This is day number one of asking you guys uh, to post a cider draft reaction on YouTube, right? Okay. So that's on a hard drive somewhere. It's not actually on YouTube anymore. It's going to go back up soon. I wonder how many days I'm going to make you wait. Adam Bybee says, have been listening since 2017 and figured it was embarrassing the volume of content that I've consumed without paying for it. So here we are. I really appreciate everyone. I just want to say like Drake, Adam, everyone else, this is awesome. Four years of listening to us and your thought was to give us money. Are you all right, man? Um, You know who we are as people by this point. (laughs) One of my favorite pastimes is going through prospect lists for the upcoming draft and finding the best names. Front runners so far for 2022 outside of McGrory are Jimmy... Snuggerud and Dennis Go- Dennis Goodbog. Dennis Goodbog is awesome. Yeah. It's Snuggerud. Uh, His dad played in the NHL, so I know that name. And Goodbod is just 
So not Evan, so I love it. <laughs> yeah. King Tone says, hey, guys, really enjoying the pod. Uh, what are three prospects from 2022 that you'd like the Red Wings to draft that aren't Shane Wright? Remember to stay safe, eat right, and just chill till the next episode. Um, Brad Lambert. Um, oh, my God. I'm drawing a blank on the two Russian kids. So, oh. <sighs> I was going to say Savoy. No, Savoy is. Savoy is going to be a top 10 guy. Yeah. Uh, he's fallen out of, like. Con- like unanimous top three but those two russian kids the one with the really long name and the one with the not so long name i've watched them like a hundred times already how am i forgetting this just pull up any 2022 list they'll be in the top 10 list of all 2020 mirosh not uh i've been mirosh patrick Sok- daniel daniel <sighs> oh yeah Mir- mirosh yeah and daniel I I got nothing here. I don't know what you're talking about, Brad. <laughs> you look it up, buddy. It's not on this list. I thought you were making up players. I will find it. Go to the next question, and then I will finish answering it. And I'm Devin says, it's lights out, and away we sit and wait for the rain. The Perez wreck before the race started at least gave uh, some entertainment during the delay. Question of the day, is there a more perfect theme song than the F1 theme? Are there any sports intros theme songs that truly get you hyped for what is to come? Okay, I love the F1 intro. Love it. I also found out that they used to use the chain for their intro, which is badass. Uh, I think the old ESPN intro and honestly, Hockey Night in Canada is just so nostalgic. And even like Michigan listeners, I know a lot of you guys would get Hockey Night in Canada over the the airwaves. So just love that intro so much. Mark Burnham says, if the Red Wings suddenly poofed out of existence and you had to become a fan of either Toronto or Buffalo, who would you? Buffalo. Buffalo. I already cheer for the Bills. 100% 100% Buffalo. They got big Detroit vibes. They do. You're off. Danilo, you're off. Oh, yeah. Actually, I should have known that one. Um, Buffalo, I don't care about who's on the team or what. That's going to come and go. Buffalo, just because you can't you can't give Toronto any more support. Bananas Larger says, hey, fellas, all pettiness aside, did Carolina unlock a new way to handle mid-tier RFAs? The one-year contract is interesting. Overpay for a year, then renegotiate a longer deal since you have the rights. I personally like Anthony Sorelli. Overpay $8.2 million instead of $6.1. Sure, you lose a second rounder, but now he's your RFA. You then have negotiating rights. You then resign him to a longer and lower AAV or someone else offers sheets to them and you get picks back. This seems like a viable move. Not that's really interesting. So here's the thing. The qualifying offer is what keeps them an RFA. You have to remember that. That's the catch with Kotkaniemi because if Carolina chooses to not qualify him at 6.1 he is then not an rfa he is then a ufa that is the minimum that he is staying with your team for unless you negotiate a lower contract before that time is due uh thank you brett for that question jonathan melwish says hey guys what team would you choose this season for an all or nothing series um toronto again because that would be funny uh, Florida, I think, would be a really good one that I, they might actually get access behind the scenes for that. Or honestly, um, Buffalo. Yeah. Like, whether whoever's there, like, if Eichel's still there, like, even if he's not, you just have this team of ragtag misfits who aren't really supposed to be an NHL team this year. That'd be a good one. You got to find the teams that, like, are supposed to be good, but have a lot. Montreal actually would be good for this one. Um, Ruthless and Toothless says, these are my power play lines. Uh, first is Larkin, Ronick, Vron on the flanks, Burt at the net, and Letty. Second is Suter, Zadina, and uh, Robbie on the flanks, Ras at the net, and Troy or Cider if warranted. Um, what do you think? 
I first power play unit, I go left flank, Zadina, Larkin, Bumper, Verana, right. Uh, Bertuzzi net front with Letty at the point. And then second unit, I don't care. Nick Amalfi says, is this Belgian uh, Grand Prix ever going to start? Hashtag let's go max. Um, well, I mean, technically it did. I would explain to you guys what happened today in Formula One and you would... I like it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. The rain was so bad they couldn't start the race. You know what they did? They did two laps behind the safety car, which means you have to follow the safety car, no overtaking. It's not actual racing, it's just a procession. And then they red flagged, which means they stopped the race. So what they really did is you needed two laps for the race to officially happen. They said, Okay, race is over. The order they qualified in is the order that they finished in, and they gave everyone half points. There was no actual racing, and they called it a race. It's the biggest bullshit. That's in the, the world. dumbest thing it I've ever the, heard of. It was the biggest farce in the. They waited f- almost four hours to do this. Okay, so hypothetically, if the weather didn't let up at all today, what was the alternative? The weather didn't even let up behind the safety car. Like it was risky to do it behind it. They would have just outright canceled it or try the next day. But the the track marshals mostly are volunteers, since they were like, these people have work on Monday, and we have to be in um, the Netherlands for thursday so, so basically it was so like s- bullshit points or cancel it entirely you want to know why they did it so they can tell uh people who attended that they race happened so no refunds <laughs> that yeah that makes sense yeah it's all bullshit yeah that is dumb uh cody starks is introducing the newest member of the ice crew for the university of north dakota men's hockey games if i wore my goalie skates i'd probably face plant with the shovel about seven times in front of the eleven thousand fans but i'm wearing my player skates so i only face plant three times hey that's badass that's cool as hell congrats cody um i thought you were going to introduce another baby i was like cody let's settle down man <laughs> Um, Mike Franklin is asking about the, uh, the ranking, uh, on Dom loose chickens, uh, front office confidence, uh, Red Wings fan confidence aside. Do you think the top three is warranted? How much of that is from the lightning tenure and how much of that is from the wings? I'm not against it, but it seems like he's getting a lot of credit for not doing Ken Holland things. TM. You're probably not wrong, but it seems like when half the league is doing Ken Holland things, it goes a long way. Yeah. The pedigree does lean into it a lot. And I don't necessarily think that's wrong. Uh, Matt S says, I'm so happy to see uh, tit for tat offer sheet stuff happening between the Canes and the Habs. We need more. This reminds me of the Canes giving an offer sheet to Fedorov in 98, which we didn't even mention today, uh, with the conference finals bonus. Mike Illich took out a loan, gave him the double birds and matched it. Keep up the good work as always, dub dubs. The Caminator, hey, congratulations. Got married yesterday. Uh, he says, got married to the love of my life. Now off to Jamaica for the honeymoon. Hopefully nothing big happens when we are gone. Oh, it will. So thank you for your sacrifice. But hey, <laughs> enjoy the honeymoon and uh, never stop dating your husband or wife. Uh, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth, says, I heard that. I don't know why I said that so confidently. I, I heard it in Ted Lasso. And I thought, yeah, that's a good line. I'll say it to people. I'm not even married. Why did I say that so confidently? Okay. <laughs> Do you watch Ted Lasso? No. You should. No. Evan? I feel like the entire thing has been spoiled for me on Twitter already. What no, is there to you watch? Can't. It's not it's not like a I've heard it was quite good, but I've not watched it. Very it's good for the soul. Lars the Lars the Prophet of the Towering Behemoth says we just lost uh, a goaler goaler pick to the bloody Marlies, Mr. Petrozelli. We never loved you anyways. League maximum fine of five dollars says in a world of lowered compensation for offer sheets, how low would the compensation be to see good odds of Stevie sending for Pedersen? Um 
If the compensation's low, there's no way Vancouver doesn't match. Always remember that. They're not letting Pedersen go for like no, a no, first. No, no, he means like the, oh, 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 I see what Yeah, you're there's no way Vancouver's letting him go and all they get in return is like a first and a fourth. Like, no. Um, uh, Victoria Beaver says, hey, emotional support himbos. Big news from Texas. Thank you for <laughs> that. I love that's the best title anyone's ever given me. <laughs> emotional support himbo. That is my favorite shit. Uh, big news from Texas. After a week of driving around the Midwest, watching race cars and listening to old draft episodes, I returned to work and gave them my two months notice. This gives me the time and freedom to work on converting the 2004 school bus I bought at the start of August. The plan is to be able to begin my lap around America next year, where I get to cover auto racing full time with my dad. Can't wait to see how many wings games get blacked out as I travel from market to market. <laughs> Victoria, that's cool as hell. Please keep us posted on the progress on the conversion. AJ Voss says, I hope these offer sheets... Offer sheet shenanigans snowball as the years go on, and we eventually end up with someone signing a four by twenty million dollar contract with a sixty nine dollar signing bonus. We should be so lucky. Uh, time for a Reddit question. Helmhand says the Wings still have a couple of open roster spots. What moves for agency or trades do you see the Wings making to add some depth to the roster, and what would you do to add depth? There's open roster spots. Maybe on left defense. That they're not open, like there's bodies in there. But I could see adding an extra forward, but to me, the obvious answer there is just Bobby Ryan. I don't want to add anyone else a consequence. I don't want this team to go. No, I want the young guys to be the call ups because that's what young guys should be at their stage in the development. I don't want, you know, a Dominic Turgeon hypothetically type player or a Luke Witkowski coming up when hypothetically Michael Rasmussen gets hurt. That should be a Valeno. That should be a Chase Pearson. That should be a Jonathan Berger. And like, hey, here's your cup of tea. Get your feet wet. Okay, go back. We'll see you in two months. Yeah. Yeah. And you can always add players at point of injury. Hey, we're going to go trade a six-round pick for this depth forward. All right. Let's wrap up. Uh, there's going to be a midweek episode for patrons. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, stay tuned for more news about the event. It should be within the next week or two where we'll have the specific link to the Winged Wheel podcast tickets. Um, more on that to come, including some exciting little bonus announcements. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our name level sponsors on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam, and Jamathong. Taylor Tagel, Brandon M., Carl uh, Brutana Nanaluski, Citizen High Five, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstum, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, How Sweet It Is, Hassam Alkasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, James, Jeremiah Dobo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Michael Lonkvist, uh, pissing and moaning Brad Crisco, R.A. Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacey Lynn, Stove Iserplan, Joe Santangelo, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, currently out of name ideas, Dave W., Evans Bingo Card, Halligan Beer, Jeremy Brocker, loading, 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 John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Munch Makuchi. <laughs> <laughs> 
Trevor Pepevar, Vaxed Fresh Cheese Bags, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.